Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know, a podcast about the classical world, classical education, put on by some guys who work at a classical school in Austin, Texas. My name is Graham Donaldson, and I am here with AJ Hannenberg. That's me. And Thomas Magby. Hey. And gentlemen, as I take stock of my life, I ask myself a question. Do Thomas and AJ still spark joy in my heart. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. Uh, and I've determined that no, oh no, you will be sacrificed to the no. volcano gods. No, I'm just kidding. Who's got kicked off the podcast? Um, I have as not, long as it, he brings rain. Yes. That's all I care about. <laughs> yeah. Apparently we're talking about Marie Kondo today. This is the rumor that I've heard that we are going to be talking yeah. about uh, organizing our lives yeah. and whether or not. Well, like modern classics, things, right? Modern classics. Yeah. Isn't have you all read this book before? Nope. Okay. Mm-mm. So we have to, so Not the life-changing magic of tidying up. Are we, is, seriously? I, I have the oh, I have the okay. cover pulled up right, in front of me. What oh, do you wow. wait, I don't understand. Man alive. We're are so tr- we're such a trendy podcast. <laughs> Although we're like four you, months behind. No, no, years behind. This book, <laughs> this book came out a long time ago. Okay, so you all have Is not, it classical yet? Uh, is it like it's over been out for more than years? six months? Oh, no, okay. more than six months makes gotcha. it a classic, right? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm I'm sure you've heard of this before. What is today's twenty four hour news cycle? Am I right? Six months is it's classic. Is ancient. Yeah. Do you all know anything about this book? It is an adorable Japanese woman uh-huh. who goes to people's houses uh-huh. and organizes them Have meticulously. You all, uh, there's a Netflix show. Yeah, I watched mm-hmm. one episode and it stressed me out. I think <laughs> the first episode? Yeah. Uh, why did it stress you out? Because it was like hoarders. Yeah, it, yes. So it stressed you out how much stuff the people yeah. had. Yeah. yeah. But don't they, they get rid of a bunch of stuff? They do. They? Okay. Mm-hmm. But it was also just like made me think about how much stuff are in how many people's houses and then all this stuff. And I just got like... I felt the world choking. Mm. That's it was more of a like consumerism sure. uh, uh, stress out. But anyway, that's fair. I think there's now like a comic book version of this. Same they uh, so they adapted into that. So it's been kind of a big deal. Um, number one New York Times bestseller. So it's kind of a it's a big deal book. Okay, so you, much so that she has become a verb. To Marie Kondo, to Con- Conmari is the. I know she yeah. got her own verb, but people yeah. call it call it condoing, which oh, is also really kind of stupid because yes. she invented her own word to yeah. talk about this. Yeah. Conmari. So yeah. anyway, whatever. That's weird. So, Graham, you just kind of made a joke about this, but if you were to summarize like the message of this book, what? I guess you haven't read it, but you you have the core idea of it. What is what is this book about? Uh, it takes stock of all the things that you have mm-hmm. and put it through this simple test. And the simple test is, is, I don't think all that simple. It's, does it spark like joy? Does mm-hmm. it have, does it give you some sort of emotional reaction of, I want this? Mm-hmm. And if it does, you keep it. And if you don't, you ruthlessly execute it from your life. Sure. So she kind of, early on in the book, she says that the purpose of her, the process is that we should be choosing what we want to keep, not what we want to get rid of, which is an interesting question to start with. Yes. And then you just described this. The process is to take each item in one's hand and ask, does this spark joy? If it does keep it, if not dispose of it. What do y'all think about this as a process? Fine. Yeah. I mean, it sounds good. Okay. I mean, what about tools? Yeah. So, uh, I guess people have trouble discarding things that they could still use, which have a functional value that contain helpful information, informational value, and that have sentimental ties, emotional value. When these things are hard to obtain or replace rarity, they become even harder to part with. So tools are kind of that funny category of, do you actually need them? Like how often do you use those tools? Well, I'm, for example, the, the laptop I'm using right now, I use for DJing and for podcast. I I don't, I'm not over, you know, flowing with joy every time I look at this laptop. <laughs> but if I ditch this, a lot of the things that do bring me joy would be gone. Interesting. Well, then, so then the laptop would do that then. Or maybe you should get a better laptop, right? I, ha- I, <laughs> I mean, I have a, a, a laptop that's nicer, but it's right. harder to transport, I guess. Yeah. So uh, 
uh, that's the point. The point is like finding things that you really like and then okay. like sticking around and going on to those. Is the point like to try to apply that rubric at the front end so you don't accumulate? Eventually. Or can you only learn if something brings you joy by having it for a while and so accumulate stuff, but then you have no idea if this is going to fit your criteria. So live with it for a year and then you can go through the process of getting rid of no, it. No, I mean, so most people come to this having a bunch of junk. That's why they're reading a book about throwing things away. And so the goal is to figure out what you want to keep and then to like have that in mind when you're making purchases later. So she'll talk about like holding off on purchase. It, it, it's basic advice you've heard before, but mm-hmm. don't buy anything. Wait 24 hours, wait a week before making any major purchase. I'm thinking about whether you actually want to hold on to this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the uh, the process is kind of where we're ending up with this. So there are all these different categories you're supposed to go through to find out what you want to throw away. Mm-hmm. So you start with clothes, you move on to books, you move on to papers, move on to miscellany, and then you move on to sentimental value, sentimental items at the very end. And the idea is to start with things that are easier to throw away and move to things that are harder to throw away. Mm-hmm. So here's the, here's the basic line of what... Uh, struck, uh, stuck out to me in reading through this book. This is a long time ago. Uh, Graham has talked before about how eventually we're moving out to a bunch of land uh, out in south of Austin, west of Austin, wherever mm-hmm. that is. And so part of what we needed to do was clear through our stuff and we needed a way to systematically do that. So we found the book helpful. But here's a line, and this is what this is why we're talking about this book. So again, that second step is to, so first get rid of clothes. Second step is to get rid of books. Okay, so she goes, She talks about this process of how she picked which books to get rid of. So realizing that I really wanted to keep, what I really wanted to keep was not the book, but certain information or specific words it contained, I decided that if I kept only what was necessary, I should be able to part with the rest. My idea was to copy the sentences that inspired me into a notebook. Over time, I thought this would become a personal collection of my favorite words of wisdom. It might be fun to read it over in the future and trace the path my interests had led me. With great excitement, I pulled out a notebook I liked and launched my project. Oh, Marie Marie. I began by underlining the places I wanted to copy. Then I wrote the title in my notebook and began transcribing. Once I started, however, I realized that this process was far too much work. It takes time to transcribe. And if I was going to be able to read those words in the future, my handwriting had to be neat. To copy 10 quotations from a single book would take at least half an hour, and that was a low estimate. The thought of doing this for 40 books made me dizzy. She talks about trying to use a copy machine and then how that didn't work, and then ultimately she realizes that she never actually goes back and reads these quotes. So so she, she abandons her project altogether. Abandons the project altogether and then only keeps, uh, I forget if she specifies this, but basically keeps one book at a time. Ugh, ugh. She's only ever reading one book at a time. Ugh. Well, gentlemen, I mean, like, you don't need the other books. You're not going to go and read them, right? <laughs> Wait, is this not how you use books? No. Wait, what do you mean? I, I, use, I mean, I guess maybe... The sounds of pain coming from you right oh, now. Oh, it hurts so much. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess I'm an educator, so it's a little bit different, but I, I reference books constantly in class, mm-hmm. and I'll pull them off and read quotes and include quotes and you know, tests and stuff I want to do in class. And yeah, but if Marie Kondo's not in it, well, she's a, uh, I was going to say she's not an educator educator. I mean that she does not teach formally in a classroom. She does train people on how to be organized, but maybe she doesn't need how long, how long has it been since you read Lord of the flies? Gosh, 10 years at least. Do you, what do you remember from that book? I remember uh, a glass ball shattering and the guy who dies. And is that a spoiler? Sorry. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember, my feeling of dread at reading it. Uh, yeah. 
I couldn't. I, I couldn't name Piggy. I couldn't name characters. They so no bludgeon Piggy lessons, to death, uh, and the, then they're saved like a oh, chapter later. That glass ball was actually a white conch shell. Oh, there you go. See? And not a glass ball. See? So like, even things, my details are gone. Yeah, even the details are yeah. gone, and that means that if you had these great lessons, that I mean, that that's what's the the problem. The descent with, and the madness of this like uh, uh, anarchic society, mm-hmm. like all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's that, the problem with human memory is yeah. I can read a book and feel like I've gleaned the lessons from yeah. it, but those lessons will. So I, I kind of think it like being baked in, right? Mm. So I. It'll, it'll get baked into me, but over time, kind of like a tattoo, like right. that tattoo will get blurry and the thing baked in will maybe lose meaning and I'll lose a little bit of the definition. Mm-hmm. And perhaps over time, the lesson will get overlaid with other lessons and other tattoos will cover it up. And I, you know, it, Interesting. It's, it's not fresh anymore. And yep. that's just how human memory works. Like yep. you're, you're just going to forget. It becomes a glass ball instead of a white conch shell. Yep. And you have to be able to stave that off by rereading, mm-hmm. which means going back to a book, mm-hmm. but having marginalia mm-hmm. so I can find things in the book quickly and being able to reference them and commonplace. My commonplace book is a huge reference yeah. point for me. I, I like I ascribe to Nassim Taleb's or Taleb's, I don't know. If I don't know his, name. Um, his view of the, of the library where, oops, where in the library you have lots of books that you haven't read. Mm-hmm. Like my library has tons of books that I've never read and they sit there judging me. Yeah. They sit there looking at me and every time that you see the library, there is the aspiration to read them, but then there's also that reminder that I do not have everything. I have not read everything. I do not have the capacity to read everything. Yep. And so then there's a bit of, of not only like a spurring on that, a, li- that a, a shelf full of books gives. Like I'm looking at AJ's shelf of books in his classroom right now. There is a, There are books in there that I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to read that. <laughs> And cool. the fact that I that I haven't or don't reminds me of my capacities and should get, force me some sort of humility. Um, and then also in those moments where I'm looking for something to read, I have it and I pull down and I can begin. So um, uh, I feel like yeah, there's the, that the condo method or her her eliminating these books for um, the sort of uh, the inner peace that a clean space brings is um not as good it doesn't it is a good thing but it is not as good as having the shelf full of books yeah. that um that you want to read or have read and that you can go back and, and do reference to sure. because um yeah yeah james shawl talks about the uneasiness of walking into a a, a house that has no books in it that mm-hmm. has no bookshelf in it i think he's onto something that i mean what if i what if you go to a party and there's no bookshelf mm-hmm. what do you guys do I don't know what to do. I usually want to go and peek at their bookshelf. Mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's what I do at parties. Another I make so friends funny. with the cat really? and I look at their bookshelf. <laughs> Sometimes I'll stand there reading a book in the party. Oh, Just standing in the corner. When you, you go to a party, you should befriend their pets so much. So Why? What? you should befriend them to the point where the pet wants you to be their master. What? That's just a game you can play if you're bored at a party. I apparently we all hate going to parties if we because <laughs> none, none of us have mentioned I don't know talking to people at this party. Make that pet question their loyalties. What is happening? Right I now? need to it's I need to know so, everything about my hosts bent. And you can you can learn that from their bookshelf. That's true. So I can look Find at their bookshelf and then be like, oh okay, well yeah. We're not going to have any conversations. <laughs> or, we're going to leave the party early. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, we're definitely, we're not talking about the life-changing magic of tidying up. We're just, so just what blows my mind is that like this passage is in a book that sold, I don't know what, it, I think over 2 million copies. Again, number one bestseller for months and months and months, if not years. Uh, like a big deal, a big modern culture deal book includes this idea mm-hmm. of like, uh, you know, 
keeping any of the knowledge of the things you read is essentially a waste of time Mm -hmm. that you're better off. Sure. You can read for entertainment, but get rid of the book afterwards because you're never going to look at that stuff again. Mm -hmm. That's just a super bummer thing that we're going to launch off into of how do we actually hold on to that knowledge of what we read. So again, I'm misremembering details from books I've read before that I would, that I would state confidently. Oh no, I know this, but I don't actually. So one of the, one uh, you all have referenced this already. One of the ways to do that is a thing that's called a commonplace book, but that's a weird name. So let's start there. What is this book? AJ, you just referenced it. And Graham, you've given talks on this before, but what is this thing you call a commonplace book? Yeah, you've given talks. You're the expert. Yeah, I've expert. given talks. Yeah, you did a paideia two years ago, three years ago. Um, so a commonplace book is a book Good. that you write quotes in from other books mm-hmm. and you keep them and compile them in that book because your memory is not going to retain these sorts of things. Right. And it's not just facts, but it's, it's meaningful um, pieces from the book. And then it gives you a discipline to your reading. So you're not just reading and putting down and then never remembering. But for me, at least whenever I, I keep a commonplace book and whenever I, I have to give a talk or if someone asks me something about a specific topic and I'm like, oh man, I know I remember having opinions on this five months ago when I was reading After Virtue or whatever. Mm-hmm. And After Virtue is a hard, I'm reading it right now. Yep. It is a such a hard book. And the, f- the amount of focus it requires to go through this book is high, but there's such good stuff in there that I know that when I'm done, if I don't keep some sort of method of synthesizing what I've read into some sort of output, a commonplace book, mm-hmm. um, uh, where the conclusions that I have or the marginalia, if I can sort of reproduce it in, in some sort of way, uh, I'm, I'm going to forget what I read of a very difficult book in a year from now. Mm. So it's kind of like, there's so many different ways to do it. It's You just need to develop a method where you're basically taking the things that you read and turning them into some kind of artifact. And I, you, uh, Thomas asked us to bring ours, so I've got mine sitting in front of me. Mine mm. is a shoebox mm. filled with hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of no, of index cards with quotes written on them. And I've categorized them in terms of different different categories. And so uh, not only does it force me to try to synthesize what I'm reading into good takeaways, it's, it's more like it, when I flip through the cards, it sparks my memory, mm-hmm. which I would not necessarily have unprompted sure. mm-hmm. um, because I can't keep everything. So I sort of think of it as like an external hard drive of my brain. Mm-hmm. Like I can't keep everything that I read about, like for example, in the last podcast, I gave a quote from Epictetus mm-hmm. about sheep and wool and i have the note card i mean right. you can hear it. i have the note card in my hand of that exact quote because i know the gist of it but the way that he phrases it is better than i could remember it and i haven't remember it so having it as a note card and the thing is i maybe i'll forget it and if, so every once in a while so i have these note cards and i flip through them you know every couple of months and i'm like oh yeah oh yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah and that may spark something that i'm reading now that i can bring into my teaching so it's basically just like creating a system for yourself at least that's how i've that's how i've used the catechism the um sorry the uh, uh commonplace book how long does it take you how long so, is it taking you to put together that shoebox years. years i mean yeah. uh, uh uh what i have done and i stopped doing in fact full disclosure i don't think i've added a new note in maybe probably 10 months so i've almost a whole calendar year without adding a new note but what i used to do and what i was really disciplined at and what produced a lot of material was uh, our church is on Sunday uh, Sunday afternoons, and we get home around six, and then we have dinner, and then we're kind of like getting ready for the school year or for the week, work week ahead. I will um, do Sunday nights. I will sit and I will go through the things that I have read, and I will write out. I will go and look at the things that I've underlined, mm-hmm. 
and then I will write them on note cards, and then I will put them into some sort of um, category. Oh, I said I haven't been doing this in 10 months. That's not true. I have a bunch of things from um, Black Swan in here that I read. But uh, maybe there's a gap is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So you did Black Swan, but maybe there were six months before. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I read, I think I read Black Swan like um, last Christmas. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, uh, so then I create these note cards and then I try to give them categories that they go under mm-hmm. so that I can organize them. Mm-hmm. But Thomas was making fun of my categories earlier because I was looking for a note and I couldn't <laughs> find it because my categories are not super helpful. Right. Let's, let's I don't really, but the thing is, I don't really know cause I'm sort of like, but they're your own categories. That's, you don't need to, I'm making it up as I go along. Yeah. So let's, we'll zoom out a little bit and sure. we'll come back to this of, so we'll come to this later of what do your commonplace books look like? That's, will be one topic. And then after that, how do you, how do you then use them? Mm-hmm. But Graham's already said all of this, that commonplace is a weird word because I hear commonplace and I think like every day, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a commonplace occurrence. It's a thing that happens every day, but the word is referencing more the topics themselves, that there are general topics that are in like that's like literally what commonplace is referencing. There are these general topics that mm-hmm. you are reading about, studying, and you are collecting information on those general topics. Yeah. And so the purpose of the book, you can use it for whatever you want to. I think of one of the purposes as to organize the information that you're receiving mm-hmm. and show here's what one author says about a thing. Here's what another author says about that same topic. And you collect them in that way. Mm-hmm. Is that a fair mm-hmm. I think that is a thing that is typical of commonplace books. Okay. And especially books that you enjoy, but don't necessarily immediately fit into the things that you're currently thinking about. Mm. So for example, Thomas, you years ago lent me The Intellectual Life. Is that what it's called? And how long did I have it for? Years. Years. I had it for like two years and and I read it in fits and spurts, but for whatever reason, the book just never like really grabbed Mm. hold of my intel, of my like thought life. Yeah. But every time I read it, I came away with something interesting. And I and I do have a lot of notes from that book in my commonplace book, but it didn't immediately fit into whatever I was reading or whatever I was sure. thinking about That's right now. Yep. So um, it took a long time for me to read it. Mm-hmm. But I now have these notes and I'm probably not going to read it again. Mm-hmm. And I now have these notes that maybe one day are going to be little keys that unlock something else or they're going right. to fit into something, you know? So... Um, I, I kind of see it as like it's, yeah, it's a contingency plan for something that doesn't really make sense, right? Or that sure. doesn't really fit into what you're thinking about right now. Because I'm remembering when I read The Intellectual Life, and Graham can attest to it based on the underlining, I underlined almost every other sentence in the first third of the book. Because you were devouring yeah, it for yeah, whatever reason. Yeah, but then in the back two thirds, I, I, I felt like I was doing a disservice to the book by, you know, if you highlight everything, you haven't really, you know, filtered it at all. And so we just, you know what I mean? Like we just collected different things from yeah. that same book. And that's what... I mean, this kind of relates to our catechism discussion last time that you're going to draw something different from a book than the same person reading that, that mm-hmm. same book. That's mm-hmm. fine. You should return to those books anyway. Whereas it's funny with, you guys talk about that book, like if you underline everything, I have a rule that I'm not allowed to include anything from Dorian Gray because, in my commonplace book. Because it would really just be like the whole thing. Right. It, the yeah. writing is so good. There yeah. are so many turns of phrase. Yeah. It would take me hours and hours. And instead, I just keep the book of Dorian Gray, and yep. that's my commonplace for Dorian Gray. And, and that's a, a great point. I'm focused, what I just said was I focus on the ideas, and so there's an interesting idea. I want to collect that and kind of group them together. AJ, I think you focus maybe more, uh, for sure more than I do, on like the beauty of the language itself as a thing to collect also, correct? It's certainly an element. Yep. I, I have a lot that are ideas, and then I have some that are simply there for a nice turn of phrase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that just a different category for you? The way I categorize is 
different than the way Graham does. Perfect. Yeah, I, I've yeah. Tr- tried to adopt AJ's categorization of phrases of, of like just writing that I like. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to collect. So if you go in my marginalia of any book that I read, if you see something that says in the margin WL, mm-hmm. that means that I've underlined it with an eye for adding it to something that I would show in my writing lab okay. at school. Oh, because here is just a, the way that the sentence was turned or the way that the phrase happened was a good example of good writing. Yep. And so I was reading this weekend. This just happened. I was reading... Um, I'm reading Shelby Foote's History of the Civil War, and I just started the second volume. And there was this one paragraph where they're talking about a specific short Confederate general who wore like flouncy shirts Mm -hmm. and was quite sort of dandyish in his appearance. And it had this great phrase where he talked about um, um, that he always got what he wanted. And when he was young, he wanted a brick house, a seat in Congress, and the specific girl. And then it said that, uh, and it talked about um, how you know, he couldn't get these things and the girl was put into a convent. The dad didn't want his daughter to marry her, so she wow. put her into a convent. Wow. And he said that he always got what he wanted and for the brick house, he extended his credit. For the senatorial seat, he um, he defeated all of his opponents and he scaled the convent wall. And I was like, that's just hilarious. It was really funny. I don't know if he ever scaled the convent wall, but it was such a great example of like parallelism. I'm going to show it to my kids at some point. Here's, you know? here's a fun one. This is on Dr. Hirsch's bulbous head. It's by Chesterton in his Father Brown series. The door was opened to them by the doctor's old servant, Simon, who might have passed for a doctor himself, having a strict suit of black, spectacles, gray hair, and a confidential manner. In fact, he was a more presentable man of science than his master, Dr. Hirsch, who was a forked radish of a fellow with just enough bulb of a head to make his body insignificant. Awesome. That's good. I, I like think that. it's just a fabulous, like that's, that just is a, a fabulous yeah. sentence. A fun little phrase. Yeah. Well, well, let's, okay. So let's do, so just to say it again. So commonplace literally just means there are general topics that you're kind of organizing these thoughts, these quotes around. Then the book part is also, I think, a loose interpretation of what a book is. So Graham has already said he uses a note card system. I also use a note card system and AJ's I believe is a digital note card system. Yes, sir. So none of us are using an actual book. Many, Mm -hmm. I did for a long time. And if you, if you were to Google commonplace book, most often what you see are actual books. Um, Lewis Carroll has like a really cool one that pops up usually. So when, or, um, I mean like meditations, Marcus Aurelius, like that he's writing in a journal and then that's what's published eventually as meditations. So, Usually you'll find books Does, doesn't mean it has to be a book and especially with the internet and PCs. Like there are lots of really interesting electronic options. So that's kind of what a commonplace book is. So can we talk about what our commonplace books look like? Sure. Uh, AJ, do you want to start? Yeah. I, I originally had a book and what I found was that if I wanted to go back and find a particular quote, it took me forever mm-hmm. and it was painstakingly difficult to transcribe, just as the lady said, right? Yep. Writing by hand. Writing by hand takes a long time. It does. So what I do is as I read, if I find something I like, if I don't have my commonplace book handy, and I usually do, it's digital, but I will underline it or out or bracket it and put CPB next to it, commonplace book. Yeah. And then later, once I finish the book, I'll go back through and I'll transcribe all of my CPB spots and I cross it out once I've done it. So if I'm reading through, like rereading through a book and I find a CPB that hasn't been crossed out, I know that I huh. still have to enter that That's cool. at some point. Um, so the way I enter it is I, I actually do mine on Evernote. So Evernote, if you're listening and you'd like to send me some free <laughs> swag or something, you know, I'm waiting. I would love free some reference. Free, yeah, free swag. Free, yeah, yeah. But 
It's it's a fantastic little program. That's it's classical free. stuff at veritasacademy.net. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Digital swag, is that what we're we asking for? We accept yeah. Venmo. Ah, D- there you go. D-swag. Um, so it's, it's you, a free you, program. Do you have premium by any chance? I don't. You don't pay? Okay, there you I go. I don't pay for premium. I You can have it on, I think it's like three devices anyway. So right. my yeah. phone and two laptops is more than enough. And yeah. even if you don't, don't install that. the program... <laughs> you can get it free online. Like yeah. they have a website. That- there, 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 you do get benefits of how much you can upload if you pay for premium, which when I was heavily using Evernote was really helpful, but for most people. And I'm not, I'm not including any pictures right, or videos. Yeah, and yeah. so if you're just doing text, yeah. you can upload an insane of amount of, yeah. of quote stuff. So I, I enter the, the title of my quote, I enter my quote. And then the, I think the, the re- one of the reasons I really love this is that I, I can divide these into notebooks. So every notebook is a different book or novel. Mm-hmm. And so all of my quotes from that book are in that notebook. So mm-hmm. I can just scroll down all the authors I've read, find a book that I like and see all the quotes from that book. And then the other thing is that every every time I enter a, a note, I, I give it tags. Mm-hmm. So if it's on, I don't know, fear and pain and the modern man, I'll put fear, pain, modern, modern man. And that way later, if I'm doing a talk yeah. or pre- presenting something, then I, I can search my tags and every quote that has to do with money mm. or beer or whatever will. <laughs> I like those two categories. I have, Sorry. I have beer tags. Like sure. there's a couple the one on from brewing. great expectations, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah the brewer. And so I, I can bring up all those things and it, it saves me all the time of having to search all the way back through my gazillion quotes. It's a little bit of a bummer cause I don't have a chronological record of my oh. thinking and reading, but I do get, a, a, a list of all the books that I've read yeah. and then notes from all those Because can't books. you sort your notes also by when you put them in? Um, yeah, yes. You so you definitely. Could, so yeah. you actually can you get yeah. a, a note of that. Yeah. I, I can't recommend it more highly. Provided that you do it in that way. That's true. Like that you're putting them in. Putting them in the order mm-hmm. that you read them. But, you know. Yeah. So I've got it on my phone and my laptop and I use it for school all the time. Uh, we do, I mentioned it a few podcasts ago that when I open class, we have a quote response. Mm-hmm. Most of those are pulled directly from my commonplace. Oh, that's cool. I hadn't thought about that. So then do you react? Like, do you get to tell the kids then like, this is, this is my reaction. This is why I included it in my commonplace. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's and cool. some of them are fun and some of them are thoughtsy and yeah. I get it. I get to tell them why I chose it. Thoughtsy. Like. thoughtsy yeah. Like, English teacher over here. Yeah. Thoughtsy. What's thoughtsy? <laughs> It's exactly thoughtsy. what it sounds yeah. like, man. Seriously. Welcome to English. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Welcome to English. Could that be a t-shirt too? I like that. It's really Englishy. Yeah. Englishish. And something I hadn't thought of until you said that is, so for uh, Graham and I use a paper system. And so I have a limited number of categories. Mm-hmm. Like I have to make a new section divider for each new category. You have infinite. You can just add a tag. I can add tags as long as I want to. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that also sounds really good. Um, and then just because Graham talked about this, do you have any system for... I'm sure your answer is going to be no, but do you have like a day when you put in all your quotes or yeah, just like any kind of rhythm to how often you are put adding to it? If I have, if I just have some time, I'll pull out my books and go back through them. I actually have a, a sort of a backlog of three or four books. I need to go back through. That's but, where I am too. I mean, yeah. I have a backlog of 10 months. I mean, like <laughs> it, the thing is it's like Marie Kondo is not wrong when she says that it is a daunting task, yes. but at the end of it, um, it is a satisfying thing. Like you, and, uh, um, yeah, it's, it's worth doing. It's yeah. worth doing. You want to talk more about your system, Graham? So mine is just note card system, and I've got them on four by six note cards, and I put them into categories. And um, can you read those categories? Yeah, because they're so wonderful. I have one called the Inner Citadel, which is just uh, a category that's dedicated to quotes that help sort of with some of those concepts that we talked about with Boethius and not letting the, 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 the wheel of fortune like dictate your moods. So things that, you know, help you. Um, so I'm trying to think of an example. So here's the one that would be in the lower citadel. This is from um, 
The Intellectual Life by A.G. Serliange. Serliange. A lover of pleasure is an enemy of his body and therefore quickly becomes an enemy of his soul. Right? Uh, so then this is um, um, Spinoza. Do not weep. Do not wax indignant. Understand. So I've inter- intercited all these other quotes that are kind of help, supposed to help one think about, you know, uh, um, that which you have the direct control over. I've got a category of just things from the Middle Ages. I have w- something that's called stories that illuminate. And what that is, is they are like examples of things that happen in the real world that I use as examples that you can draw lessons from. So um, let's see. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of an example. Um uh, like for like Grim uh, just held up a card that has a coffee stain on it. Which yeah, is just they all nice have coffee stains yeah. on them. Um, uh, let's see if I can give an example of stories that illuminate. Uh, here's one: Hannibal marched on Rome and rode around the city trying to be menacing. Meanwhile, the land his camp was on came up for auction. It was sold at normal price. Rome would not be intimidated. <laughs> That's just a story. That's a true story that happened. Um, so Hannibal was riding around Rome, but Rome had so much like fortitude and, and belief that they were going to win and beat Hannibal that the lo- the land that the camp the enemy was the you know the invading enemy was camping on mm-hmm. was sold at the regular normal price. Mm-hmm. That's just like that's baller. That's awesome. I love that story. <laughs> that's good. So I've got that. I've got one on just sort of investing. I've got a category in mental models, which is um, just sort of structures of mind that can help you uh, make. Uh, sense of the world. So um, I'm trying to think of, um, um, here's a mental model, again, from the intellectual life. Truth serves only its slaves. Wow. Love it. Um, another mental model. There, here's, here's an example, the Red Queen effect. So the Red Queen effect is, the, is, some, is taken from um, Alice in Wonderland. Oh. So in a competitive environment, no matter um, how well one adapts to the environment, they have to run to stay still as everyone else is competing too. Um, so for example, if you, if you stand at tiptoes at a concert and then everybody else stands at tiptoes on a concert, everybody is now running to stand still. Mm-hmm. The only way you can see the stage is to stand on tiptoes and you're, everybody's exerting more effort and is all in the same spot. Mm-hmm. That's called the Red Queen effect. Mm-hmm. It's taken from everybody running to stand to stay still in um, Alice in Wonderland. Unless you're like me and you're just wicked tall. Yeah, and then you're <laughs> unless tall. you're like ages and wicked tall. So then there's yeah. So that's mental models. I've got one called just metaphors. I just collect metaphors. Um, one that is an unhelpful category that's just called the magnanimous man, which is kind of like just a catch-all. I've got one on just nature on the economy, uh, theology and faith, culture, which doesn't have very much in there. Classical education. And then another one that's just called quotes, mm. which is kind of just like, I don't really know what to do with it. So I think this only works if you put the categories in pencil, which I don't do, which I need to start doing, and then allow your categories to change. Sure. But the best thing about having them in note cards is you can take a giant stack of them and then you can just sit with them. And then if you're working on a talk, you can now make a separate stack of all of these quotes that all sort of relate to each other. So to see how these things sort of interconnect to me has been incredibly helpful. And then I've got just a stack of a backlog of cards here that don't have a home yet. Interesting. And I don't know where they're going to go. And these are the ones that I just just did, but I mean, so just did leave them six months ago. until you find out what the, like you look for a commonality and then create a new topic? Kind of. I'm kind of in a crisis of, of tagging right now, which mm-hmm. is, which I've just sort of described, which is I have these tags, which I started, but I'm realizing that as the book grows, 
um, the tags are less helpful. So I feel like it would have been better if I had erasable tags and, mm. and more um, flexible tags. Or I need to take stop taking tags as seriously as I do. But the tags are just dividers in your system. Yeah, correct? exactly. So yeah, yeah. they're easy to replace. Yeah, they right? are. Just buy mm-hmm. new ones. And... But I also write the little tag on the top of the note oh, so I know where oh, it goes back when I'm done okay. with it, which is probably which has created some problems. So if I could erase those tags, that probably would be a better. Yeah, so I don't do that. So mine is very similar to Graham. It's a cardboard box that looks like a shoebox. They're three by five cards, and they also have paper dividers inside of that. Uh, my, I'm so early in doing a commonplace book that my topics are like just way bigger and more general. So instead of investing in economics being two different ones, I just have a big business category. Mm-hmm. Um, so the mine is still, it just feels like it's still growing at this point. Uh, and eventually we'll split out into smaller categories. Uh, Graham, you just mentioned that one benefit of commonplace is when you have to like speak, you have like background material that you've been collecting instead of having to do it all at once, which is awesome. Or it's not just coming out of whatever I'm reading right now. Totally. Or getting sketchy quotes from the internet. In, in with the no le- context, right? Have you guys ever heard the C.S. Lewis quote? What is it? Uh, An education without values as useful as it is seems to make man a more clever devil. Uh, yeah. But, uh, the clever devil part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not C.S. Lewis. Really? Who is that? Uh, I think it's, there's a Duke, Duke words, Wadsworth, something like that. Uh-huh. It's, the thing is, is it's quoted from the abolition of man, but it's funny. And so they're quoting Lewis, quoting this guy. No. Oh, C.S. Lewis didn't, he never said this. Oh, oh, it's oh. not in his book. It's not in the abolition of man. In fact, he would argue that there is no such thing as an education without values. That's what the abolition of man is about. So interesting. You cannot get outside the Tao. That's all of chapter two. So I don't know where this comes from. I, I seem to vaguely remember something about a clever devil in Lewis somewhere, but it's certainly not the abolition of man. So interesting. But that yeah. quote is everywhere uh, online. It's yeah, not, it's everywhere online. I, I checked. You checked Abolition of Man? Yes. Hmm. It's not there. Now I'm curious. So I think that's helpful. So this is great advice. So when collecting quotes, so especially when an author is quoting someone else, what I've done is I, I cite the original author, but then also where I found it. So I know what book I found right. it in. So I can mm-hmm. like... Mm-hmm. The I, trouble with quotes online is context, right? Like everyone... So brevity is the soul of wit. That's a great sounding quote. It's also... It's also spoken by ironic. a complete bloviate in, uh, <laughs> in Hamlet. So that that adds a layer of, of its interpretation to it. So, I don't know. It's just... Well. What is... There's, a, there's also another one. It's, quote, quotation is a useful substitute for wit, or the ability <laughs> to quote is a substitute. But that's always attributed to Oscar Wilde. And again, Oscar Wilde didn't say that. Mm-hmm. Someone else said that, and the quotation is way different. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah. Just because you all brought this up, what do you include on that note card? So there's the quote itself. Do you include where it came from? Yep. Who, then, who said it in the book that it was from? Do you date the cards? Not really. Oh, no, okay. I don't date them. Okay. Mine's um, automatically dated. Yeah. And for a title, uh, if it depends where I type it. And one, if I type it, it'll automatically take the first line, which okay. is perfectly passable for me. Oh, well, Sometimes mean, I title it. Do you mean date by like when the book was written or nope. when I wrote it? When you wrote it. Oh, no, I don't do that. Yeah. Do you put when the book was written? So, uh, not really. Not, not particularly, no. Okay. If I'm quoting friends, I'll put who said it. And I was going to ask that too. So we've talked about including books. I had a conversation this morning that there are all these things I don't want to like mull over from that conversation. Do you include just regular quotations? Oh, in your I am in Hannenberg's commonplace book. Would you or, guys like to hear some from oh Graham? I would love some from Graham. Okay. Google now, it. these are without context. Just bear that in that mind, Graham, listener. you're in here a ton. <laughs> I believe that 100%. So this one is from this morning. Okay. True freedom is doing whatever you want whenever you want it. <laughs> See, I was, I was being facetious. Were you, though? We uh, don't know. On learner interests. For one thing, I don't really care about learner interests. 
That's a very on teaching. Aw, crap. If I'm going to do this well, I need to love the students. <laughs> I did say that. You did. Say on that. espresso machines, everything I love is expensive. That's good. In class, Googling. <laughs> Googling. Meet local single metalheads. <laughs> oh, shouldn't have clicked on that. <laughs> was that in rhetoric? Please tell me that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was in okay. rhetoric. Uh, decaf is law like a mother-in-law's kiss. <laughs> well, I don't like that at all. Stop washing your hands, fool. That's what it says in Proverbs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one I can't read. Okay. Um, I kind of feel like there are people who are better than people. <laughs> that was on the aristocracy. Uh, How much do you appreciate this, Graham? I... I yeah. <laughs> also browsing in, in rhetoric. Katy Perry? Nope. <laughs> Alan Greenspan. Now we're talking. <laughs> That's good. Oh man. Do you have any AJ quotes you want to read, Graham? I don't have any. I don't. Really? I don't. I don't. Do you not include no. uh, personal quotations? I don't. Okay. Cool. So again, probably because my like it's yeah. Um, AJ can do it right then and there with Evernote, whereas the, the limitation though. of my system is I'm sitting down with like cards at my desk. Magby, would you like to hear one of yours? No. Yeah, yes, I do. I, yeah, for sure. It's it was this was this was you after a hard week. I have scotch at home. Life will be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember saying that. Oh, well, you I'm did. Sure I did. Yeah. yeah. Is there any? Is that the only one you have? Uh, let me see. I think maybe. Makes me nervous. I've been working with Graham for a long yeah, time. Seriously, my word. I'm okay with only one. I, I googled bees, and this is a not googled. You <laughs> is mean it about just, bees? It's from Dracula. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, sure. Chasing an errant swarm of bees is nothing to following a naked lunatic when the fit of escaping is upon him. So, what? so I'll say okay. I'll, slower. Sorry, Thanks, I sorry. read fast sometimes. Chasing an errant swarm of bees is nothing to following a naked lunatic when okay. the fit of escaping is upon him. Sure. That's so, true. Yep. That's a great way point. harder Good. to get yeah. a naked loony when he's then, trying to escape. Yeah, it's true. I like that. that. But you didn't say that. No, I didn't. But I should have, I guess. It's on bees. I didn't think about this till you started doing that. This there was a this this YouTube channel has since shut down. I think the name is Every Frame of Painting. Yeah, Every Frame of Painting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what they did is essentially this, where they would watch films and then split up the clips and then tag them with what is happening in this clip. Is this a certain type of shot? Is this a certain type of character? Mm-hmm. And then what they would do is they would look at uh, you know under each category, what do we have a ton of clips of? Do we have a ton of clips about heroes? Do we have a ton of clips about how people show? Like past time. Do we have lots of like shot? montages? That kind yeah, of thing. yeah. Like, what do we have lots of? And then they would build their videos around that. So I, I'm just curious: is that a way that you all use this system also to look and say, I have an interest in this topic, or I want to write or speak or whatever on certain topics? You ever use the commonplace that way? Oh, I mean, I feel like if you definitely looked through my commonplace books and the things that I wrote, you would get a sense as to what I valued yep. for sure. Um, I think, yeah, you definitely, the longer you do it, you go back and you realize that you've had these trains of thoughts or you've had these these areas of inquiry that you maybe didn't even know you could put a category to it. Right. Like, I don't really know why I'm reading the, his, the Shelby Foote's History of the Civil War. It maybe is because I live in the South now. Maybe it's because mm. I live in the United States now. Maybe is it because, you know, you think about how crazy it was that this military engagement of, you know, in the same country happened, you know, I I don't even know. So, um, but if you you take all these notes and then as you sort of go back, maybe it is, I think kind of helpful to sort of say, well, yeah, during 2017 to 2020, I really thought a lot about um, what it meant to be a citizen of a nation, Mm -hmm. um, especially a nation I wasn't born into. And so maybe it's, there's a bit of an autobiography that that comes with the topics that you're spending time contemplating, if that yeah. makes any sense. I think that's the main benefit of doing a chronological commonplace book 
So it's harder to organize. It's harder to find things within it, but you see development, you mm-hmm. see um, mm-hmm. strands of thought that go through there. And there's something to being able to like hand on to your kid. Like this is, you know, when I was your age, this is what I was reading or thinking about. Mm-hmm. I think there's something. That's super nice. I still have my old paper commonplace book. Yep. It's just, it's, this is so much more convenient. Yes. Like <laughs> I, I like it a lot. And it's also yours is way more portable, right? So way more portable. Graham actually had to think about bringing his shoebox. I actually forgot mine, even though I asked you all to bring yours. So, you know, like there's the, there are problems. And I can yeah. share, like I could share a whole notebook worth of quotes with somebody. Yep. If mm-hmm. it was like, Hey, what did you like from this book? I can share yep. the whole thing instantly. If my house burns down and yeah. my commonplace book goes, it's gone. Yeah. If the internet goes away, AJ's is gone. I don't know. Like <laughs> I guess Evernote, it's actually backed up, Evernote it's backed up to your computer. You have a copy of it on your PC. Yeah. And you can actually save the entire thing mm-hmm. in like a long text format and I could just print it out yep. if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I like that too. Yeah. I do think there is something to writing those words by hand that mm-hmm. it helps. It helps memory. with memory yeah. for yeah. sure. And, there, and there's a, I think it was Jack London who, when he wanted to become a writer, like when that was the career he went after, he would pull out Homer or whatever and just write, long passages from Homer. Like he wanted an authorial voice. And so he just went back to the great, the classics. Just to feel what it was like to write that sentence. To make that voice his own. Mm -hmm. That's, this is catechism of Mm -hmm. like, so Mm -hmm. I'm saying words that are not my own. And then to do the commonplaces to write words that are not your own. Mm -hmm. So as to like fall under that, you know, Mm -hmm. and to, I don't know, add your voice to the, the great conversation. Okay. I think this is good. Um, John Locke had some really strong opinions. If you care to read a new method of making commonplace books, he uh, goes through how to organize like a paper book that's like cover to cover. And he has an organizational system that seems helpful, but since none of us use it, I don't want to overstate that one. Catherine, our other English teacher, um, has a commonplace book as assignment in her English class, I believe. Do you all not? Oh, I thought that was all the English classes. No, no. we don't. Uh, I, I don't. just recommend it. I re- yeah, I also recommend it, but I don't have it as an assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that an old English teacher at the school really championed. Um, but, uh, I just never really figured out a way to really integrate it Mm -hmm. in a way that I felt was worthwhile and not just like hoop jumping for the students. I do think a lot of our freshmen and sophomores keep one. They know it's coming. It's a thing they hear their older siblings talk about most. most There's one that has been passed down from senior to senior throughout the years. That is, that has sort of maybe less than savory, uh, uh, entries in it. And some, I would say many of the student ones, when they talk about, I'm going to add that to my commonplace, it's a funny quote that they're mm-hmm, adding. But mm-hmm, yeah. there's something I like about that mm-hmm. of they want to hold on to, you know, like uh, particular moments of wit or humor. I mean, that's what AJ just read of his Graham quotes. One of my whole notebooks is friends and students quoted. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I have novel, 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 book, 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 yeah. friends and students. Yeah. But yeah. even in that, that's a way to tell stories about mm-hmm. these people you've known. Oh, I have a student who, uh, when she received a, a, something back that was a good grade or whatnot, she made reference to her friend that she was going under her breath that she was going to put it in her flex binder okay. and, I, and I said what is I said what's a flex binder and she says it's a binder full of things that I can read if I need to remind myself like I need to flex on myself like I need to remind myself that I, that I did something good <laughs> I was like I guess that's kind of like a commonplace book um, I, I thought it was an adorable an adorable thing that the student care, uh, contained uh, kept a flex binder I guess of. the common topic is I'm awesome. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> Which is, yes, but hopefully it grows over time that yeah. it's not just my fine achievements, but um, other things that one finds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't, we don't need to belabor the point, but that what is this? It's a, a way of collecting what you've been reading and thinking about. It's a way of holding on to important ideas that otherwise you will forget. Oh, I would love mm-hmm. to hear if listeners had their own versions yeah. and sh- like shared pictures of them or just had examples of yeah. things that they did. 
it's it's a fun habit to develop. Yeah. It is time consuming. Yeah. But and there are so many different ways to use this tool. So where whereas the three of us are we're very focused on the information contained in those notes. If you if you look up pictures of commonplace books, you see it's it's not only words, it's it's pictures and mm-hmm. drawings mm-hmm. and like to, to read a quote and then uh, draw a picture that's kind of a response of how you think about that quote. Like there, there's an artistic side to it too. It My wife uses Pinterest in this yeah. way. She's a designer. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. she, uh, uh, she collects a huge repository of just visual references yeah. that she can go back to. Yeah. And that's all. And just tying it back in with Marie Kondo, I don't think she's wrong. Graham, you said this already that there is, it takes time to do all of this, mm-hmm. but in, in some way it, it, it makes the act of, am I going to say this the right way? It, it makes the act of reading more worthwhile that instead of it just being the pleasant experience of reading through a book that you'll have the vague memory of years later, you're actually saying to yourself, this is what I want to hold on to. This is what I think matters from this book. The little lie I tell myself when I'm working on it is that I'm a monk in a scriptorium <laughs> sure. and I'm writing down important things that are going to last for generations. Yeah. But they will. And I feel that way. I feel yeah. like a little script. I'm like, especially when I'm like, oh, my back sore. I've been writing for like 40 <laughs> minutes or right. whatever. Uh, but it's also a good use to use my um, these um, my, the, my the, fountain pen. I was going to yeah. say these like these idols of of uh, <laughs> of, of uh, aristocracy or whatever. Yeah, or, there are some people who are just <laughs> better. Yeah. better. I feel like there are just some people who are better than other people. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily putting myself in that better category. I was just making a statement. Just an observation. Uh, it was just an observation. Yeah, Chris Pratt. Is in that category. He's in that category. He's better, he's better than me. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've no, I've he's no a handsome man. The only time I use a fountain pen is to write down the write down quotes. Is to is to do commonplace. I have a. I don't it's just, have, It's a tactile and delightful experience. It is a better experience. Right. What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking through my friends and students, and I found another Donaldson quote. Which do you want to hear it? Yeah, of course. Ugh. Another year of or another year, another me not winning sexiest man alive. <laughs> Thank you, Graham. <laughs> okay, there we go. All right, so I think that's all I have to say. Uh, I I have no idea how to bounce off of that one. Sorry. So I gotta quit reading every these. year. Every year, it, yeah, it, it comes and goes, and I'm overlooked. One I'm, of my students last year said, "For the longest time, I thought George Clooney was president." <laughs> <laughs> so good. That is wonderful. Wow. Any other wonderful quotes you want to end with, Graham? <laughs> I have no, no, no others. None okay, that I can good. talk. Oh, man, Apparently, so good. my past self is more quotable than my present, <laughs> present self. self. No, you're doing a wonderful job. But I would implore this to listeners that uh, anything, it's just a way of collecting things that have been important to you and to make sure that they don't just, uh, you know, pass off and, and to forget. Or you forget. Yeah, if yeah. you just, if you I mean, if you have an experience of a book and you're like, that book was amazing, and then you're not going to remember it in three years. Right. Not in the same way that you're remembering it now. This is a way to try to can, to keep it. Yeah. Well, think, think about it like the tattoos, remember? They can either get baked in and sort of fade and blur mm-hmm. over time, or you can apply sunscreen. Keep them fresh. Mm-hmm. Keep them sharp. Yeah. Get them retraced every now and again. Yeah. That's really what it's for. It's, it's to turn back to in that when you're creating new work or thinking new thoughts, you're building it off of right. previous thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so there, to actually hold on to those. There's a soul crafting part of it as well. Sure. So there is an expansion that is happening of your capacities, of your understanding, there's the humility that builds up where you realize like there's so much to learn and there's, you will never read all the books. And uh, I I think that I, I have a not fully thought through half baked um, sort of like spiritual discipline um, uh, aspect to it as well that I, that I don't really know how to frame yet, but I really do see it as like something that is a, um, it's not like I'm doing this because I want to make myself better, but it, there's something about humanizing myself by doing this that yes. feels that feels right. 
That's so again, the quote from the beginning was to copy 10 quotations from a single book would take at least half an hour. Yeah. My, my argument in this episode is it's worth a half yeah, hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing that it takes a lot of time. I'm mm-hmm. saying that it's worthwhile to do that. The yeah. copying itself is, is worth it. Yeah. Is Even worth if it. you copied the thing onto a new piece of paper and then threw the piece of paper away, it's still the worthwhile. copying itself would be worthwhile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To, for, to have spent, you know, so if that's, you know, three minutes per quote, to spend three minutes thinking about those great ideas, if you're reading good books, is worthwhile. That's mm-hmm. a good use of your time. Yeah, so, for sure. I, I agree. That, that, yeah, that's the takeaway. Cool. So that's all I got. I'm well, if you have awesome, interesting, commonplace books or ideas about commonplace books, email us at classicalstuff@veritasacademy.net. Um, if your commonplace book is on Twitter, you can tweet at us. At <laughs> it better not be. Well, oh, that'd be an interesting way to do it. It's like, how you? Oh yeah. yeah, you should see who which tweets spark joy. No, oh no, I was saying that you send out instead of keeping the quotes to yourself, you like share them all. Oh, if you had like an open commonplace yeah. book, we just like set up a bot that just tweeted out. That's part of what uh, like Ryan Holiday books. will send it's out true. pictures it's of true. his uh, note cards. Mm-hmm. That's the thing he does. Um, yeah. If you, yeah, you can tweet us at us at classical stuff, C-L-S-S-C-A-L stuff. You can see us at classicalstuff.net. And um, yeah, this has been our commonplace conversation. <laughs> yep. Uh, I don't know how to end this. Well done. Um, Make sure to write down every word we've said. Uh, yes, that, yeah. add oh. some things we've said to your commonplace book. That yep. would be very delightful. Uh, but this is Graham, Thomas, and AJ signing off. Signing Ciao. Off.